0: Hello, hello, everyone. I am not a stream Joe Biden's uh, uh, press
1: conference, town hall that he's doing on CNN. Take care of them. Helping you take care of them. And in many cases where you're not taking care of them in your own home, but they're staying, they're staying in their home you're going to be able to have the ability to have someone come in and make their meals for them. They don't have to be there 24-7. So there's a lot of things we're doing. In addition to the process, we're going to be able to train up those home care workers who are usually minority women, women of color, as well as immigrants. And they have the capacity to learn more as they go along to move to the point where they can become practical nurses and things like that. So it makes a lot of sense. And it's cheaper, cheaper. Than it is to not do it.
2: One of the other things that Democrats are looking Ow. to do is to expand Medicare to include dental, uh, vision, uh, and hearing as well. Given all the negotiations that are going on, will all three of those still be covered?
1: That's a reach. And the reason why it's a reach, it's not. This, I think it's a good idea. And it's not that costly in relative terms, especially if we allow Medicare to negotiate drug prices. But here's the thing. Mis- Mr. Manson is a uh, is opposed to that, as is, uh, um, I think, Senator Sinema is Opposed to all of them? Opposed to all three, Mm -hmm. because they don't want, he says, he doesn't want to further burden Medicare so that, because it will run out of its ability to maintain itself in X number of years. There's ways to fix that, but not interested in that part either. But look, Joe, Joe, Joe's not a bad guy. He's a friend, and he's always, at the end of the day, come around and vote it for but But but, but here's the point. We're in a situation now where if you are in a circumstance that you're not able to uh, provide let me cut to the chase. I'm taking too long. One of the things we're able to do in the meantime is the most expensive of these things would be dental. Okay? Now, we're talking about, I don't have a deal on it yet, maybe getting an $800 voucher from Medicare for dental work that you may need. And the hearing is a very important thing because, as Kristen Sinema, who supports this, points out, hearing is directly related to dementia. When you can't hear, you have a problem, and it impacts on dementia. So so we're able to — and it's cheaper to be able to take care of hearing. But I think I've been able to take care of that without changing Medicare, because what's happening is now you have these hearing aid companies you no longer going to have to go to the doctor and spend five grand and get an apartment. You can go and buy Walgreens and buy over-the-counter yeah. hearing aids. Yeah. So, yeah. this person. The harder one, though, is we, we, we haven't gotten a consensus yet on how to deal with uh, seeing glasses. And uh, but that's so it's not done yet, is the answer.
2: All right. Uh, I, uh, I want to get into the question. And this is uh, Ben Frederick. Uh, ben is a realtor, lifelong resident of Baltimore. He's an independent, serves on the Maryland Multi Housing Association. Way, ben, the
1: Bidens all ha- hail from Baltimore beginning in 1850. <laughs> I don't know how the hell they kicked me out, but I'm <laughs> Ben. What's your question?
3: IRS
2: uh, status shows that the top
3: 5% of income earners pay 60% of the income taxes in this country. I hear you
1: repeatedly say that the wealthy are not paying their fair share of income taxes. What is the percentage of income that you believe is fair? Well, I think what's fair is that this present tax code, the highest tax rate is 35 percent, number one. Okay? Number two, you're in a circumstance where corporate America is not paying their fair share. And I come from the corporate state of the world, Delaware more corporations in Delaware than every other state in the union combined, okay? Now, here's the deal, though. You have 55 corporations, for example, in the United States of America, making over $40 billion, don't pay a cent. Not a single little red cent. Now, I don't care, I'm I'm a capitalist. I hope you can be a millionaire or a billionaire. I, not a problem. But at least pay your fair share. Chip in a little bit. Well, let me, fo- let me, so-
2: let me follow up, because Kirsten Sinema, who you mentioned, Senator Sinema, is opposed to any tax rate hikes for corporations and for high earners. Speaker Pelosi suggested today she could accept that. question is, A, would you accept that? No rate hikes, tax rate hikes for corporations or higher earners. And if so, how would you pay for this plan otherwise?
1: <coughs> because you don't have to look. Here's the deal. The tax rate, the corporate tax rate, was 35. Some per, uh, 37%. Brock and I thought it should come, <coughs> we thought it should come down to 28%. In the process, it came down to 21% under Trump, which even the corporate leaders and you know if you're in real estate, major real estate, ask them. They know they should be paying a little more than 21%, because the idea that if you're a school teacher and a firefighter, you're paying at a higher tax rate than they are. As a percentage of, of your taxes, but here's the deal: I believe that we can do the we can pay for this whole thing. I have it written in a card here. but I won't bore you with the detail. But for example, if you in fact made sure that you paid a minimum 15%, minimum 15% if you're paying nothing, minimum 15, that's almost that's over almost 400 billion dollars over 10 years.
2: So you would be willing to go along with what Senator Cinema and it seems like Speaker Pelosi is willing to consider no tax hike for corporations or for high-earning individuals?
1: Here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to make sure that we pay for everything without anyone making less than $400,000 paying a single cent more in taxes. That's my objective. And so there's ways to do that. For example, you covered it on your show, the minimum international tax of 15%. But no no rate actual rate hikes? No, no I, I don't think we're going to be able to get the vote. Look, <laughs> when, when you're in the United States Senate, and you're a President of the United States, and you have 50 Democrats. Everyone is a President. <laughs> <laughs> Every single one. So, you got to work things out. But where I am is, I'm, I'm hearing now, I'll, I'll turn on the news and I'll hear that Biden's caved on such a — look, Biden's a simple proposition. Biden's going to get all the elements of these two bills have profound impact on economic growth, reduce not increase inflation, don't add a penny to the debt, as well as grow the economy, according to — I have 17 Nobel laureates in economics sent me a letter recently saying that my proposals would actually reduce inflation, diminish refresh — but here's the point. The point of it all is that I'm prepared — I can't think of anything that was consequential and changing the circumstance for the middle class and working class in America that came as a consequence of a single piece of legislation. I got a portrait of Roosevelt in my office, okay? Social Security is not anything like it is today when he passed it. It evolved, it moved, it grew. So I'm prepared to do the things that can get done now that can begin to change the lives of ordinary Americans to give them a fighting chance and come back and try to get others later.
2: Let's talk about another one of those things. This is Sandra Gutman, an English professor at Loyola University also Democrat
1: Sandra what's your question? And by the way, you got another English professor who teaches writing here
4: (laughs) Thank you for taking my question. Mr. President. We've heard in the news that the Proposal
1: for two years of free community college may be cut from your economic package Um, An educated citizenry is absolutely crucial to solving complex problems like climate change
4: and the systematic um, inequities in this country. Uh, we hope that this is not cut from the package. But if it is, what can you do to ensure that all Americans can get the education that they need to face these issues?
1: First of all, Professor, you made a very profound point. I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic. And that is — and Jill uses a slightly different phrase — any country that out-educates us will out-compete us. Any country that out educates will out of education will outcompete us you have the vast majority of the 37 major corporate countries in the world economies we rank 35 in our investment in education we're in a situation where if you if you think about it when we — what caused us to move ahead and 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 dominate the 20th century, in the late 1900s I — and mean, the early 1900s, late 1890s, we came up with, say, 12 years of free education. That was revolutionary at the time. I mean, seriously. Now, if we were sitting down today and saying, you know, we got to put together an education system, mm-hmm. raise your hand if anybody thinks 12 years is enough to compete in the 21st century. So that's why what I propose is, free child free school free school for every three and four year old in america no matter what their background all the data shows that no matter what home they come from they increase exponentially their prospects of succeeding all the way through 12 years of school you know you know all the statistics the statistics go that if you come from a home where there's no books in the home and a single mom or a single dad—they don't—they're not well educated. They don't talk a lot. The kid from a middle-class, average middle-class home versus that home will go to school having heard one million more words spoken than the child who didn't—a mm. gigantic disadvantage.
2: Mr. President, the, so, the, the question was on the, the com- on community college, no,
1: no, which, which which was a big campaign
2: promise that that you made. You talked about that along oh, the campaign I, I, trail.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm going to get it done. And if I don't, I'll be sleeping alone for a long time. <laughs> but here's the deal. <clears throat> so far, Mr. Manchin and one other person has indicated they will not support free community college. So what I, what I think we can get done is we can significantly increase the amount of money by 500 bucks a, a, a p- payment for Pell Grants. And Pell Grants are available and they can provide for up to 30 percent of the cost of community college and or and or college help tuition. So it's not going to get us there. It's not going to get us the whole thing. But it is a start. I'm convinced, absolutely positively convinced, that we're going to be able to and, by the way, we have in the law in the legislation money for (coughs) community colleges that that deal with dealing with uh, uh, apprenticeships, Mm -hmm. dealing with teaching people particular skills, That are not getting will not get you a two-year degree, but will teach you the skill. So I think we can get all of that done this time out. But I promise you, I guarantee you, we're going to get free community college in the next several years, across the board.
2: What was that conversation when you realized you weren't going to be able to get it in this bill at this time, and you had dinner with Dr. Biden that night? What was that conversation like? How did you break that news? Well. The White House has a
1: lot of bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and she went like this down the hall. All right. No, look, it, it, it really makes a gigantic difference. And think of this you have more countries in the world with having providing college, I mean, pr- 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 providing professional education beyond 12 years. We rank like, I think it's. Don't hold me the number. I think it's 16 or 17 in the world. The United States of America, for God's sake. This what, is about putting us in the game. This is
2: uh, John Meche. He's a doctoral candidate at Morgan <clears throat> State University and an independent. John, welcome. Where, where are you? Morgan State. Morgan State.
1: I all these Morgan bands, man. <laughs> I've spoken there a couple of times, and by the way, uh, the guy who runs my operation is a uh, anyway. I I, I keep talking about Delaware State, but they keep saying about Morgan State. Morgan State. (laughs) Uh,
5: Uh, President Biden, I had so much faith in your election win, but based on history, the bipartisan efforts of the Democratic Party are held hostage by rogue moderates and Republicans. Why not do like the Republicans and usher through the Democratic agenda? Well, two reasons you
1: notice, the Republicans haven't passed a single solitary thing. Zero. So, usher through their agenda. Their agenda right now is just stop Biden. Although I shouldn't make it so personal. Stop my administration. <laughs> That's what the agenda is. It's much easier to stop something than to start something. And look, what we did is when I wrote I'm going to back up just a second. I apologize. I wrote I personally, during the campaign, before I got elected, I wrote the infrastructure bill relating to what we do to highways and all that kind of thing, hard-hard data. And I wrote the — what they call — what is now called the care economy piece, and it has a gigantic piece of environmental pieces in it, too. And I went before the joint session of Congress, and I laid out exactly what I was for. And so I made it clear what I was for. Initially, what happened was I got no support for anything from our Republican friends. And then they said, maybe we can work out a bipartisan deal on infrastructure. And we did. We worked on it. It Didn't give me everything I wanted. Didn't have as much money in there for the environment, although it has tens of billions of dollars in there, but didn't have what I wanted in it. But we made a bipartisan deal. Now what's coming along is this reconciliation they call fancy word for the other pieces that have the childcare pieces have the economy that relates to allowing people to, to w- women to go back to work. It has about 450 billion dollars for environmental remediation and and uh, so on, and that's the one that is the issue. Well, let me
2: let me ask you. Just getting to to his question, <coughs> you we've talked a lot about Senator Mansion and Senator Cinema. You seem relatively confident you can kind of get Senator Mansion on board. The, there's a lot of Democrats in the House and Senate who are confused about where Senator Senator Sinema actually stands on things. And I know she's been negotiating directly with you and the White House. What is your read on her? And I obviously, you need her uh, to remain positive in your direction, so I don't know <laughs> what you're gonna say, but what is your read no, on, on her? Sure do, she, do you
1: know where she stands? First of all, she's smart as a devil, number one. Number two, She's very supportive of the environmental agenda in my legislation. Very supportive. She's supportive of all, of almost all the things I mentioned relating to everything from a family care to all, to all those issues. Where she's not supportive is she says she will not raise a single penny in taxes on the corporate side and or on wealthy people, period. And so that's where it sort of breaks down. There's a few other issues it breaks down on. But what we're trying to do is reach a point here where I'm able to present to the Senate they're able to vote on and the House a serious, serious piece of legislation that changes the dynamic for working-class folks in America and middle-class folks and begins to have the very wealthy and corporate members just begin to pay their fair share. Not a lot. How we get there, we're down to four or five issues, which I'm not going to negotiate on national television, as you might guess. We'd be like, no, interested in no, 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 hearing them if I you know. want. No, I know. But all kidding aside, I think we can get there.
2: Let, well, you talked about the environmental piece. You said uh, Senator Sinema is <clears> uh, is on board wi- with that. Certainly Senator Manchin is not. It gets to our next question. This is from Kobe Kong. He's originally from Anaheim, California. He's a sophomore class president at Johns Hopkins University and Democrat.
1: <laughs> Kobe, what's your picture? Mr. President
3: one of the largest issues that people have trouble comprehending the severity of is climate change many legislators and politicians today are lenient as they won't have to live with the future facts without the legislative support for the climate aspects of your budget proposal and the earth rapidly approaching the paris agreement's 1.5 degrees limit what other backup plans do you have to ensure a future for the next generations well let's
1: Mr. President, you got it right. The existential threat to humanity is climate change. And when President Trump pulled out of the Paris Accord, which, when I was with the Obama administration, we helped negotiate, the agreement was that we could not — if we reached beyond 1.5 degrees Celsius increase in temperature, we're gone. Not a joke. Not a joke. And so, we decided that he pulled out. first thing I committed to do is rejoin that accord, number one. But number two, number two, what you have to do is you look at there's multiple ways in which we can deal with climate. I'm going off to COP26 in Scotland, uh, and uh, in, I don't know, I guess it's two weeks or a week. I can't, I'm losing track of time. And, and I'm presenting a commitment to the world that we will in fact get to net zero emissions on electric power by 2035 and net zero emissions across the board by 2050 or before. But we have to do so much between now and 2030 to demonstrate what we're going to, that we're gonna do. So let me give you a couple examples.
2: Let me just follow up though very quickly on that because the the key climate provision that was in the Build Back Better plan, as you call it, the, the clean electricity performance program That's been dropped now from this spending bill. (coughs) No, it hasn't. It has not. Senator Manchin is opposed to that. He's
1: opposed to it. But here's the deal. That is only one of well over, well over a trillion dollars worth of expenditures for climate change. It's $150 billion. It's important. And what it says is that if, in fact, the utility doesn't pull back and continue to reduce the amount of carbon that they, they admit, that what will happen is they will end up paying a penalty. And so, there's a penalty incurred. Joe Manchin's argument is, look, we still have coal in my state. You're going to eliminate it eventually. We know it's going away. We know it's going to be gone. But don't rush it so fast that my people don't have anything to do. I think that's not what we should be doing. But the fact of the matter is, we can take that $150 billion it to the $320 billion that's in the in the law now that he's prepared to support for tax incentives — tax incentives to have people act in a way that they're going to be able to do the things that need to be due from — for example, if you're — if you — if you got windows that are — the, you know, the wind's blowing through, you get an incentive to put new windows in your home. You get — you help get it paid. We are going to significantly reduce the amount the cost of solar panels on your roof. We're going to continually, and for example, there's new battery technologies that are being, uh, uh, I went out. I'm pa- I am
0: turning the sound off. If you know science, if we go to zero carbon emissions, what happens to trees and plants? If you know what, if you uh, know science, what happens to trees and plants? if we go to zero car, carbon emissions.
1: What would we'll do is give me that $150 billion. I'm gonna add it to be able to do other things that allow me to do things that don't directly affect the electric grid in the way that there's a penalty, but allow me to spend the money to set new technologies in place. For example, J.A. is is right.
0: Because if we have zero carbon for those trees and plants, they die. What happens when we have no oxygen? We die. So, zero carbon emissions in the long run ends the human race.
1: Convincing him. That I can use it to increase environmental uh, progress without it being that particular
2: deal. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we get a lot more questions for President Biden.
6: This man is a
0: freaking idiot zero carbon dioxide zero carbon emissions trees die off plants die off how do we get our oxygen from trees and plants we die off so what he's saying with that right now is he's trying to have no human beings other than his buddies because by then they'll probably have their own little Spacesuits where they don't need trees and all that fun stuff. So, when you think about it, zero carbon emissions is uh, for, for, about something else. I can't... And they say we're the science deniers. They say we're science deniers. Oh, Oh,
6: for crying out loud. Someone, please help me.
0: Yeah, it's just, uh, how can we have such a dumb person in the White House? How can we have such a dumb person in the White House right now? But I will, and since I know there's commercial breaks in this, I will wait to rebut all of his uh, statements until after that the commercial during the commercial break but i do want to thank everybody he has come out for i know i started a little early but we need <laughs> but i do want to thank everybody that's came i want to thank boats roger disavowed Podcast. Laura, J.H.,
6: Leo, Nick, Lisa,
0: D.C., Christina, Mickey, I want to thank everybody for coming because my stream wasn't actually supposed to start until 8 o'clock, but I found out The occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue was doing this. So I was like, I want to share it. But thank you everyone for coming.
6: It's just...
0: And I think we're back.
4: In Hall in Maryland,
2: with Joe Biden. So before uh, we get to our next question, uh, I want to just bring up the, the current labor market shortages. Millions of jobs are unfilled. Businesses are struggling to meet demand. Is there anything you can do to either encourage people to go back to work or make jobs more attractive that they want to go back to work?
1: Yes. Yeah, so first for the first of all, we've created more jobs in the first eight months of my administration than any president in American history. Total number of jobs created. But what? the problem for the people not going back to work is twofold. Number one, they're reluctant to go back to work because they're afraid of COVID. Many of them. So they don't want to go back and they don't want to be exposed to either the customers because they're not required to wear masks or not required to have shots, or they don't want to go back because they're not sure the people waiting on them in the — at the table or the people coming up in the food market. so a lot of it has to do with COVID, number one. Number two — and that's why, you know, we were able to go from — when I first got elected — when I first was elected, there were only 2 million people who had COVID shots in the United States of America at the vaccine. Now we got $190 million because I went out and bought everything I could do and b- buy in sight, and it worked. But here's the deal. The second thing — the second thing that's happened, Anderson, is that people are now using this as an opportunity to say, wait a minute, do I want to go back to that $7-an-hour job? I won't name the particular restaurant chain, But they found out when they they couldn't hire anybody. When they found out they started to pay 20 bucks an hour, everybody wanted to go back to work. Not a joke. So what you see is wages are actually up for those who are working. Because for the first time in a long time, employees are able to bargain. You're the boss. You want me to work for you? What are you going to pay me? How are you going to do it? I'm not being facetious. The third thing that's out there is, there's a circumstance that exists where people are really worried about uh, what they're going to do. I mean, how, how can I say this? How many people do you know, and maybe some in this audience, who because of what you've been through, a loss of a husband, wife, brother, mother, father, son, whatever, or you've had something that's really impacted you with COVID, that you really find yourself just down? I mean, just down. And so, there's a lot of people who are just down. They're not sure how to get back in the game. They're not sure whether they want to get back in the game. Think of this. If you're graduating from Morgan State, okay? Uh, well, guess what? You didn't have those great dances the last four years that you'd have before you went out and work. No, I'm not joking. Graduated from high school. You don't have your prom. You don't have your graduation. You don't have the thing, all the things that matter to people that go into things they look forward to. So a lot of it has to do with us getting back on our feet and getting back on our feet in terms of our attitudes about what the future looks like for us.
2: What do you say to someone who's down? Because there's what a lot I of people say, watching tonight who are.
1: Well, there are. I tell you what, there's plenty of help. Look, being down, having some problem in terms of needing some 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 advice if you have a a broken spirit, it's no different than a broken arm. You shouldn't be ashamed of it. You should seek the help. There's a lot of people who can help. but I really mean it. I I, I, I don't — I'm not saying that's the whole problem. I'm saying it is an element, in terms of attitude about people, what they want to do. Look, how how often I get asked the question, what's Christmas going to be like? How about Thanksgiving? Oh, is it going to be okay? I mean, what's going to happen? I mean, will I be able to buy gifts for my kids? How? There's a lot of anxiety people yeah. have. I want to ask a
2: question along the lines of of concern about Christmas and, and holidays and the supply chain. Anna Hirsch is here, a student at Loyola University, who's originally from Connecticut. She's Democrat. Anna, what's your question? Um,
1: yeah. President Biden.
7: Growing up in a small town, I've been surrounded by small business owners, including my mom, who owns her own interior design business. Uh, With the current supply chain crisis, small businesses are in jeopardy of not being able to get products that they They need because priority is given to large businesses. Does your administration have any policies or plans in place to aid the current supply chain problem and or to help small businesses that are affected by this?
1: Yes, on both, but, but but you have it exactly right. We have a significant supply chain problem. In the Obama-Biden administration, all American business, it made sense. It was just on time. You wanted to make sure that you didn't waste any money and or time between producing whatever you're producing and having it done. You didn't — so that's how you save money. You didn't buy the material six months ahead of time and then keep it in your inventory, and then move — it was on time. Now, that's a big problem. You can't — people can't do it. They want to get out ahead. What I've recently done — and people said or doubted we could do, get it done — I was able to go to the private portion where 40 percent of all products coming into the United States of America on the West Coast go through uh, Los Angeles and uh, — and uh, — um, uh, um, what am I doing here? The Long Beach? Or- long Beach. Thank you. And I know both the mayors. So I went to them and I said, what can we do? So I met with, and they're privately owned. These these ports, the, the, these two. So I met with the business people. I met with all their major customers, the WalMarts of the world, and all the rest. Who, there are like 70 ships waiting out there, unable to get unloaded. So I, and because not always the longshoremen don't always get along with the business folks in there. I got I have a relationship with them, and I brought them together, and I said, you got to be open 24/7 no port there was open tw- open 5 days a week 40 hours a week 24/7 they've all agreed to it they've agreed to it
2: would you consider the national guard to help with the supply yes, chain issue
1: absolutely positively i would do that but in addition to that what you got to do is you got to get these ships in and unloaded and one of the things in my my infrastructure plan there's 16 billion dollars for port expansion we have to be able to move things along because What's happening is when we a, a product your mother may need for, for interior design in terms of drapery or colors or something that is imported from somewhere else. Well, guess what? A lot of these places, particularly in South Asia, are closing down because of COVID. The businesses are just flat closing. They're so would,
2: would you consider the National Guard for trucking? for Because there's a lot of yes, problems with not enough truck yes, drivers right but now. Here's,
1: and th- that's why what we're doing now. Do you have a timetable
2: for
8: them?
1: Well, I have a timetable. to. First of all, I want to get the ports up and running and get the railroads and the railheads and the trucks in port ready to move because I've gotten Walmart and others to say, we're going to move stuff off of the port into our warehouses. Which so, are you, right.
2: But you're actually talking about having National guardsmen or women driving is, trucks? The
1: answer is yes, if we can't move, to increase the number of truckers, which we're in the process of doing. Okay. If we did at this moment, we're not. But the whole point is, We've got to get to small business as well, because the big guys are in trouble. And a lot of the product that your mother makes, the product she, the the, the things she does in her interior design building, the material she buys from the larger outfits. I I assume, I don't know that. I, 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 but my, my, my whole point is, small businesses need the help badly small businesses make up 60% of all the revenue coming from business out there.
2: I want to bring in, uh, in uh, Linda Harris. She's from Elkridge, Maryland. She's a software project manager, Democrat. Linda, what's your question?
1: Hey, President Biden. Hey.
2: My middle-class family of four lives on a pretty tight budget. My husband and I both work
9: full-time at, at well-paying jobs, but we still struggle some months to make the ends meet. With rising gas prices and utility prices and grocery prices, we're feeling our discretionary income get squeezed and reduced... What plans does the administration have to help ease this kind of current crunch we're feeling?
1: Well, there's a number of things that have already been done. And it's hard, and people don't think about it. The American Rescue Plan has provided for an awful lot, the $1.9 billion we passed right right after I got elected. So what you got is you got that, that $1,400 check in the mail, you got a lot of things that help am- ameliorate some of the concerns and costs because we knew what we were coming into. We knew we inherited the wind, and things were going to get worse before they got better. But in terms of being able to have what my dad used to say, a little breathing room. Just a little my, — my, my dad busted his neck. He, he, di- he didn't have a good pain job. My dad was a well-read, high school-educated guy who thought his greatest sin in the world was he didn't get to go to college. And — but my dad was one of those guys that worked like hell, come home for dinner, and then he'd go back to — and finish up work and close the shop. He uh, and 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 the whole point of it was that all we want to give, all he talked about is that Joey. All I need is just a little breathing room, a little space, a little space. Let me let me ask. And, you about that, with just in terms of inflation, because you had told
2: uh, us at a town hall, I think it was in July, that the in, this was just near term inflation. The Wall Street Journal recently talks to like sixty seven uh financial experts who said that they they saw high inflation going all the way or deep into 2022 do you think it's going to last for a while
1: i i don't think so i don't think it will last if depending what we do if we stay exactly where we are yes if we don't make these investments yes what about gas prices because some gas, are seeing- gas prices relate to a foreign policy initiative that is about something that goes beyond the cost of gas. And we're about 330-gallon most places that now, when it's up from was down in the single digits. I mean, single a dollar-plus. And, uh, and that's because of the supply being withheld by OPEC. And so, there's a lot of negotiation that is the, — there's the, 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 a lot of Middle Eastern folks want to talk to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm going to talk to them, but the point is, it's about — gas production. There's things we can do in the meantime,
2: though. Do you think there's a — I mean, do you see a — do you have a timeline for gas prices of when you think they may start coming down?
1: My guess is you'll start to see gas prices come down as we get by and going into the winter — I mean, excuse me, into next year in 2022. I don't see anything that's going to happen in the meantime that's going to significantly reduce gas prices. But, for example, for natural gas to heat your homes as winter's coming, There's a lot of what people don't realize. We put in billions of dollars in what they call LIHEAP. LIHEAP is the provision whereby you're able to get funding from the federal government based upon your need to heat your home, and it's subsidized in a significant way. And there's billions of dollars we have passed in the legislation I got passed in, in March of this year, because we anticipated that would be a problem as well. But the answer ultimately is, ultimately meaning the next three or four years, is investing in renewable energy. What I was able to do — No, I — by the way, I really — I'm not, I'm not being — I mean, I'm being literal when I say this. What I was able to do when I ran — and you remember, Anderson, because I was on your show a couple of times, and the issue was whether or not I could ever get the labor union to support my environmental programs. Mm-hmm. And I went out and I went to the IBW as well to the auto workers, and I laid out my plan. They fully embraced it. Why? Because now, and I spent time at General Motors and other companies, and I got General Motors — i didn't get them. General Motors decided after a long uh, time spent talking to me, they—they they were suing California because they had a higher standard, mileage standard. Right. They dropped the suit and agreed that they would be 50 percent electric vehicles by 2030, by 2030. And now you have all three, all three major manufacturers saying the same thing. So what what will happen is you're going to see a dramatic drop, a dramatic drop in what's going to happen in terms of gas prices as we go into the next two or three years, even if we're not able to break the monopoly price, they're keeping it up because Anyway, so there's — there, there — there, but I, I don't — I must tell you, I don't have a near-term answer. There's two things I could do. I could go on the petroleum reserve and take out and probably reduce re, — re, reduce the price of gas maybe 18 cents or so a gallon. It's still going to be above three bucks. Mm. And one of the things that I refused to have happen because I didn't want anybody—I made a commitment—if you pass the stuff I'm talking about, not not one single penny in tax would go against anybody making less than 400 grand. And so, if you notice, this is these highway bills are not paid for by gas tax; they're paid for by direct expenditures in other areas. Mm-hmm. So the average person has done have to pay more, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. There's a possibility to be able to bring it down. Depends on a little bit on Saudi Arabia and a few other things that are in the office.
2: Let
6: me uh, take a quick break. We'll have more from President Joe Biden. This man is a freaking imbecile.
0: He, I, I, I don't understand this shit. He says if he opened up that uh, gas prices would only drop 18 cents. If he reopened the Keystone Pipeline, gases would be under $2 right now. If the man didn't shut it down, we wouldn't be in this hardship. if he did not shut down the keystone pipeline and other pipelines throughout the united states we wouldn't be in the situation where we need middle east oil <laughs> ot marty you're right if he open, if we would open up alaska Gas would be.
6: And he said
0: taxes. The man said taxes wouldn't be raised on anyone making four hundred thousand. What in the hell has happened to? uh, to uh food prices right now what but when you think about this food price I went to Walmart to check on something. I wanted to see how much a head of cabbage was. About two weeks ago, a head of cabbage a pound of cabbage was 78 cents at Walmart. I went back today, it's a dollar seventy-eight per pound. So, but taxes will not be raised on the middle class. but taxes won't be raised on the middle class. So if you're by, so, but when you go pay here, it's almost 10% for sales tax. So something that would have been three or four cents, seven or eight cents a couple of weeks ago is now, 17 or 18
6: cents. And that's taxes. O.T. Marty,
0: I'm lucky because I work on a dairy farm and our owner gives us beef, gives us a
6: um, uh, a cow. So they're back.
4: Yeah, welcome back to our senior town hall with president Joe Biden. Got a lot more
2: questions to get to. Um, I want to introduce, uh, Nejma Donner, a professor and social worker, uh, at the, uh, the university of Maryland, Baltimore. She's an independent and mother of two young boys. We're going to be talking about uh, COVID. Uh, Najm, what's your
9: question? Thank you for taking my question, President. When will the vaccines for young children be ready, and how accessible will they be once released? I
1: believe, and I want to make it clear. Unlike past administrations, science will dictate this. I'm not telling anyone. And then I, no, I, I really mean it. But I do ask my COVID team what the expectations are. The expectations are to be ready in the near term, meaning weeks, not not months and months. Okay? That's number one. Number two, there are over 800,000 sites right now that exist in America where you can go get a vaccine. And you're going to be able to do that with your children. Particularly, we're going to try to work it out to deal with childcare centers, make it available there, as well as your pediatricians and the you know and the docs and finding places where you can do it some places are talking about doing at uh, you know in uh, churches on the weekend and that kind of thing so there'll be plenty of places to to be able to get the vaccine when if and when it is approved and it's likely to be approved i've spent a lot of time with the team on these things there's likely to be approved and whether it's Moderna or whether it's Pfizer or whether it's J and J, it's going to be approved. it will be a much smaller dose, a basically the same dose but a smaller dose. And they're doing a lot of tests on it right now. And uh, and those of you who have children or brothers or sisters who are between you know who are in that age category above twelve, get get the vaccine for them. Get the vaccine. Get it now. Let me ask you, Mr. President. By oh, the way, there's two famous guys in this audience here, I just noticed. <laughs> ben Carden. <laughs> and Chris Van Hollen. And the mayor. Holy mato. This is a, a bustman's holiday for you guys, having to come and hear me. <laughs> but thank you.
2: Uh, Mr. President, let me ask you a follow about that. As, as many as, as one in three emergency responders in some cities like Chicago, Los Angeles, right here in Baltimore, are refusing to comply with city vaccine mandates. I'm wondering where you stand on that. Should police officers, emergency responders be mandated to get vaccines? And if not, should they be stay at home or let go?
1: Yes and yes. Uh, By the way, by the way, I waited until uh, July to talk about mandating, because I tried everything else possible. The mandates are working. All the stuff about people leaving and people going you have you have everyone from United Airlines to spirit — all these airlines — we're not going to get — all 96, 97 percent of the people have gotten the vaccine. All the talk about all these folks who are going to leave the military if they're, they're mandated — not true. You got about a 90-some percent vaccination rate. I mean, so there's a — the idea is that — look, the two things that concern me. One are those who just try to make this a political issue. Freedom. I have the freedom to kill you with my COVID. No, I mean, come on. Freedom, number one. Number two — the second one is that, uh, you know, the, the gross misinformation that's out there. Like what they're saying about my buddy Colin Powell, and he was my friend He passed away. Colin Powell was vaccinated, and he still died. Well, he knew he had serious underlying conditions, and it would be difficult. He clearly would have been gone earlier had he not gotten the vaccine, had he not gotten the, uh, the, the, the shots. But my generic point is, there's so much misinformation. You know what I find fascinating? I turn on Fox to find out how popular I am. <laughs> But I, how are you doing there? I'm doing very well. I think I'm at 3% favorable. But but all kidding aside, one of the things I find, do you realize they mandate vaccinations? At Fox headquarters. Yeah. I find that mildly fascinating. <laughs> mildly fascinating. Mildly fascinating. Um, I want to bring
2: in <laughs> Thaddeus Price from This is Thaddeus Price from Randallstown, Maryland. He's a program coordinator at Morgan State University. Thaddeus, welcome.
8: Good evening, Mr. President. You received overwhelming support from the black community. And rightfully so, rightfully so. But now many of us are disheartened. As we watch a Congress fail to support police reform, We watch our voting rights vanish before our very eyes. Mr. President, my question is, what will you do over the next three years to rectify these atrocities, secure our democracy, and ensure that freedoms and liberties that all Americans should be entitled to?
1: First of all, you've stated the proposition accurately, in my view. I did get overwhelming support from the African-American community. Only folks in Maryland understand Delaware is the eighth-largest Black population in America as a percent of population. It's been the source of my support. The only folks that helped me more than Black men are Black women. Um, and, uh, And I tell you what my greatest regret is. My greatest regret is I have these — had these three major pieces of legislation that are going to change the circumstances for working-class folks, and African Americans as well, that I've been busting my neck trying to pass. But what has done is prevented me from getting deeply up to my ears, which I'm going to do once this is done, in dealing with police brutality, dealing with the whole notion of what are we going to do about voting rights? It's the greatest assault on voting rights in in the history of the United States, for real, yes. since the Civil War. Yes, sir. And you know, for example, when I was in the cha- when I was chairman of the Judiciary Committee, I thought I had done something really important, and I was able to get passed and extended the Voting Rights Act for 25 years, and get everyone on that committee, including the Southern senator from South Carolina and others, to vote for it. I thought we had moved. The point I'm making is this. We're in a terrible place right now. And so, when this gets done — and in the meantime, here's what I've done — I have the authority to deal with federal law enforcement. So, federal law enforcement — I've — we've issued mandates. No chokeholds, number one. Make sure that we're going to be able to do — have no-knock warrants in a position where we're going to be able to see to it that, We are able to go look at, and we're doing it in four cities right now, patterns of abuse and patterns of of, of misconduct of police departments, making sure (laughs) that we have access to police records in terms of what's happening. So there's a lot I've been able to do by executive order, in in essence.
2: Let me ask, on, on voting rights, if it is as important to you as you say I think there's a lot of Democrats who look at the filibuster uh, and would like to see it change, even if it's just on this one case. Why do you oppose that?
1: By the way, I think they make a very good point. Here's the deal: if, in fact, I get myself into at this moment the debate on the filibuster, I lose three, at least three votes right now to get what I have to get done on the economic side of the equation, the foreign policy side of the equation. So, what I have said — you're shaking your head no, but let me tell you something, Jack, it's the truth. Number one. Number two — number two, what I have proposed in the meantime is it used to be the filibuster the way it worked, and we have 10 times as many — more than that, uh, times the filibuster has been used since nineteen seventy eight. It used to be you had to stand on the floor and exhaust everything you had and you wh- and when you gave up the floor and someone else sought the floor, they had to talk until they finished. You're only allowed to do it a second time. after that, it's over. you vote someone moved for the vote. I propose we bring that back now immediately. <laughs> But I also think we're going to have to move to the point where we fundamentally alter the filibuster. The idea that, for example, my Republican friends say that we're going to default on the national debt because they're going to filibuster that and we need 10 Republicans to support us is the most bizarre thing ever heard. I think you're going to see, if it gets pulled again, I think you're going to see an awful lot of Democrats being ready to say, "Not me. I'm not doing that again." We're going to end the filibuster, but it's still as difficult to end the filibuster beyond that. That's another issue.
2: But, but, but are you saying uh, once you get this current uh, agenda passed on uh, spending and social programs, that you would be open to fundamentally altering the the filibuster or, or, doing, away with it, or doing
1: away with it? Well, that remains to be seen exactly what that means in terms of fundamentally altering <laughs> it, whether or not we just end the filibuster straight up. Um, there are certain things that are just sacred rights. One's a sacred obligation that we're never going to renege on a debt. We're the only nation in the world and <laughs> we have never, ever reneged on a single debt. But when it comes to voting rights, voting rights you- equally as consequential.
2: When it comes to voting rights, just so I'm clear though, you would entertain the notion of doing away with the filibuster on that one issue. Is that correct?
1: And maybe more
2: and maybe other issues. Okay, let's uh, uh, just a short time ago, the the full House voted to hold uh, to hold former Trump ally, uh, Steve Bannon, current Trump ally as well uh, in criminal contempt uh, of Congress. A week ago, you said the Department of Justice should prosecute those who defied subpoenas from the January sixth committee. Was that appropriate for you to
1: weigh in on? <clears throat> no, the way I said it was not appropriate. I said they asked me, would I, do I think that he, they should be prosecuted for denying the 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 uh, um, for not showing up at the committee? And I said, yes. Now, that when I made a commitment, the, the one of the things I was committed to do when I ran was reestablish the reputation and integrity of the Justice Department. It has become the most — it was corrupted under the last administration. I should have chosen my words were wisely. I did not, have not, and will not pick up the phone and call the Attorney General and tell him what he should or should not do in terms of who he should prosecute. But I answered the question honestly, and I think that a anyone who does not respond to that kind of uh, — uh, and uh, question from the — from the uh, a Legitimate Committee in the House of Representatives of the United States Senate should be held accountable. So that's as much as I can say without coming and looking like I'm telling the I have yet to talk to the attorney general about anything. The attorney general put
2: out a statement saying that they would make the decision on their own. And they will I
1: guarantee that
2: you've decided not to exert executive privilege to shield the former president in the House's investigation to January six. Why?
1: well, again, I'm leaving that to them to tell me what and I didn't. it's, It's not a blanket. I will not release the information. And so I'm asking them to take a look at what is legitimate, what would be legitimately fall in the position that future presidents' authority would be compromised by that. And what is, I don't think there's much legitimacy in the, in the claim. So that's being looked at right now.
2: We're going to take another quick break. We'll have more with President Joe Biden.
0: Latin Patriot. This is live. This is going on right now. This is going on live right now. That's why I started my stream early. Because I wanted this to be shown. Because he we need to know what the man says i hate listening to him believe me i hate listening to this man but we need to know what he's saying this about i don't know i don't know if he actually does know what he is saying To be honest with you, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't. Because you see how confused he gets from time to time. That's, this is the only, the only reason I went live early was because I wanted to show what this man is saying. Don't get me wrong, I don't like listening to his
6: voice. I don't like to hear him speak,
0: but we need to know what they are saying, because think about this. How many people do you think are actually watching this that are conservatives? How many people do you think that our conservatives are actually watching this? Because they do not. Because it's on CNN. How many of us would actually watch
6: CNN on a daily basis?
0: Because this is why I got a question for everyone. I know most everybody in this in here is either a libertarian or a conservative. That's how they see themselves. How many of you would watch this on c n N if I wasn't streaming it right now? If you wouldn't watch it right now, give me a one. If you wouldn't, give me a two. But how many would actually sit down and watch what
6: the man is saying <laughs> uh, Watching
0: trains go by I, this with everything going on in this country it remind
6: it reminds me Of uh, Groundhog's Day. I don't either. Latin Patriot.
0: I don't either. But we need to know what the man is saying. We need to hear it from his mouth.
2: Uh, i want to bring in megan crawford from towson maryland she's a law student at the university of baltimore and a republican megan welcome
7: throughout your campaign you've criticized former president trump for his treatment of illegal immigrants and the southern border given that has nearly been a year into your campaign why haven't you been to the southern border of our country and why did your stance on allowing immigrants suddenly revert to trump era policies
1: well they're legitimate questions. Number one, um, the Remain in Mexico policy, which I oppose, the court said I had to maintain it, so we're repealing it. That's one of the reasons why we haven't changed it. We have made a gigantic change. There were over 5,000 children, children in in the in in the custody of the Border Patrol. They're now 504. We are making more progress than you think. And we have a circumstance where one of the things that is going to bear fruit, I believe, is I put together a program I was a senator and the Vice President helping it, helping initiate it now, where we provide for funding to change the circumstances on the ground in the countries in Central America. For example, you're in a circumstance where, you know, people don't just sit around their their hand and table and say, I got a great idea. Let's sell everything we have, give it to a coyote, let them take us across the border, drop us in the desert place they don't want us. Won't that be fun? People do it because they're desperate. They're desperate. And what I've been trying to do and I'm trying to do in this legislation as well is get funding so we have funding for immigration officers to be able to hear cases immediately of whether or not they justify having asylum granted to them. Mr. We President, don't have that.
2: You have kept in place um, uh, under public health authority known as Title 42, yes. which is a Trump-era policy which allows immediate or very quick uh, return of people who have crossed over the border based on COVID protocol. Yes.
1: And that is, we've maintained that because of the extent of the, of the continued extent of COVID in those countries from which people are coming, it's very, very high. And I do
0: have an article talking about that. So there's gonna be more after the street after he's done.
1: Proposal to provide for over a billion doses of of COVID vaccine to the rest of the world, including a significant portion, to Latin and Central America. Do you have and, plans
2: to visit the southern border?
1: Uh, I've been there before, and I haven't. I mean, I know it well. I guess I should go down, but the but, but the whole point of it is I haven't had a whole hell of a lot of time to get down. I've been spending time going around looking at the $900 billion worth of damage done by, uh, by hurricanes and floods and and weather and and traveling around the world. But uh, I plan on now my wife, Jill, has been down. She's been on both sides of the river. She's seen the circumstances there. She's looked into those places. You notice you're not seeing a lot of pictures of kids lying on top of one another with, uh, you know, with, 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 blind, with uh, um you know, uh, looks like tarps on top of them. We've been able to deal that. We've been able to significantly increase funding through, the uh HHS, Health and Human Services, to provide shelter for these kids and, and people. But there's much more to be done. And uh, and I realize I, I I think it is it's the thing that concerns me the most about being able to get control of it. Because I gotta number one get enough funding to provide for immediate determination of whether or not someone that da- is in fact legitimately claiming a right to stay in the country because of legitimate fears. And it's purely for economic reasons to get in line, but not get in the country. So what we're doing is bringing a lot of folks are coming in and they're doing ankle bracelets instead of people being sent back, depending on whether or not their claim appears to be legitimate. Let me ask
2: you about two other issues in the news. Uh, In less than two weeks, Minneapolis voters are going to decide whether or not to replace the the police department in Minneapolis with what they would call a public safety department. What do you think of
1: this? Well, it depends on what they mean by that. Look, I, I, I grew up in an the
2: they, they said the public safety department would be, have a more comprehensive public health approach to the delivery of functions of public safety and could include licensed peace officers, police officers.
1: Well, could. I think you need police officers. I think we need police officers to protect us. I think they have to be under certain changed circumstances, but I think we have to provide for them more opportunity. I call for more money for police to go to community policing as well as dealing with additional help for psych- psychologists and others working with the police departments. You've never been a fan of defunding police? No, I haven't. I've never supported But I have been a fan of controlling police and making sure they're held accountable. That's a, they're two different issues. And one of the things, look, when we had community policing initially in the late 90s, violent crime mm-hmm. dropped significantly, significantly. And the reason it did is because we had significant number of police. What I did, I eliminated the LEA funding, Law Enforcement Assistance Act, and I put in place the proposal that required community policing. What that meant was, if you were all — just going to take a second, but it's important. If you're <laughs> — what, what, what that meant, if your city had authorized police force of 100 people. You could not take the money for community policing and fire 50 people and rehire 50. So now you just had the federal government paying for half and you didn't increase the number of police. You had to increase the number of police beyond your whatever. So I remember my son Bo is a chief law enforcement officer of the state of Delaware, as attorney general of the state of Delaware. And he used to do what I did. He'd go down the east side, where you can find the best basketball in the, country, in, in, in the city. You know, every, every town has those, those places. And he'd sit there on the bench with my son, my grandson Hunter, who's now 16, who was then five, sitting on the bench, and he'd get to know these guys. And he'd walk over and he'd knock on the window of the police car that was sitting there, the cop not getting out of the car, and said, get the hell out of the car and meet these folks. No, I'll give you one example. What we required initially was every police — every community policeman, there were two assigned uh, — they're assigned in groups of two. They had to know the neighborhood. I remember getting a call as you — you've been to Delaware, you go down that road as you're heading down to the right — station, Martin Luther King Boulevard. There was a woman who lived in one of those apartments in the second floor that sort of had an outcropper. It was a Victorian kind of — it was a two-story place. Yeah. And what — but the cops made sure they had — she had their phone number. So, when the drug deal was going down, she'd pick up the phone and call and say to that police officer with a cell phone that the drug deal is going down, knowing that she would never be fingered knowing that she would never be the one told it happened. And so crime began to drop. They had to know who the local liquor store. They had to know and walk in and shake hands with the local minister. They had to know that's community policing. Let me try to get in a couple other questions I'm from sorry, our audience. But, the but before ones. we do, just another
2: quick news question. Uh, New York City is removing a statue of Thomas Jefferson from its legislative chamber because of Jefferson's history as a slave, uh, slave holder. Um, do you support
1: that decision? Well, I think that's up to the locality to decide what they want to do on that. Look, um, there's there's a lot of there, there's a lot of people who have no social redeeming value historically. And there's others who have made serious mistakes in day in in, in terms of what it what, what exists now in terms of what we should be talking about, but have done an awful lot. And so the very thing, for example, I just spoke at the Martin Luther King uh um, dedication, and uh, I pointed out that uh, we're right across from the Lincoln Memorial. Well, you know, uh, and and you talked about and 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 then the Jefferson Memorial. Mm. And what what were we doing? I talked about how they said we're we're unique in all the world as a nation. We're the only nation founded on an idea. We hold these truths to be self-evident: that all men and women are created equal, and undoubtedly. no nations ever been founded on an idea. Have we ever lived up to it? No. Let me bring But it's a pretty big idea that somebody wrote that down and got the rest of the country to agree to it. So it, it depends. It let depends. Me, on let, it's me on bring,
2: let me bring in uh, Glenn Niblo, a student at Loyola University, originally from Connecticut. He's a Republican. Glenn, welcome.
1: Uh, where in Connecticut are you from? Uh, Granite.
0: Uh, China just tested a
4: hypersonic
1: missile. What will you do to keep up with them militarily, and can you vow to protect Taiwan? Yes and yes. We are militarily, China, Russia, and the rest of the world knows, we have the most powerful military in the history of the world. Don't worry about whether we're going to they're going to be more powerful. What you do have to worry about is whether or not they're going to engage in activities that will put them in a position where they may make a serious mistake. And so, I have had I have spoken and spent more time with Xi Jinping than any other world leader has. That's why you have, you know, you hear people saying, Biden wants to start a new Cold War with China. I don't want a Cold War with China. I just want to make China understand that we are not going to step back. We are not going to change any of our views. So are you fact- saying that
2: tr- that the United States would come to Taiwan's defense if yes, China we, attacked?
1: Yes, we have a commitment to do that.
2: All right, we're going um, to uh, take another quick break. We've got more questions from the audience. We'll be right back.
6: Ah. Uh,
0: ah, uh, this man. <laughs> so. Delhi border crossing. I will bring this one up since I do have a little bit of time. Let me find it. Just to prove Mr. Biden wrong. The headline says it all for itself. The headline says it all. So please tell me that Mr. Biden didn't say that they are not sending illegal immig- illegal aliens into the country that have COVID. Just thought I would share that, and I will get in more in depth than that than um when the occupant is done. Hey, Fetty. But yeah, just, just, hey, I'm a fact checker. I'm fact checking the president i'm fact checking the president i'm a fact checker who would have thunk it let alone me a fact checker (laughs) but yeah that that tells you everything you need to know and i need the cnn And it's still a commercial break. I will remove that. But this. <laughs> we got the Florida boys in the house. <laughs> but thank you guys. I, I will say this again. Thank you everybody who has came in. Show support to me. I know we don't like the man. I know he gives us a lot of us nightmares with what he's doing. But I'd like to thank everyone for coming because we need to know what the man says.
6: As much as I do not like him, and they're on their way back.
2: You are. Just in the few minutes we have left, um, the country lost. And I know you lost somebody who you consider a close friend, uh, General Colin Powell. W- what's something about him that, that people didn't know?
1: He had enormous integrity. They knew that. But he's one of the few serious, serious players I've dealt with over these years. When he made a mistake, he acknowledges it. Mm. He said, I, acknowledge- I was wrong. About That's rare it. these days. No, it's rare. It's been rare. It's rare in human nature. For someone in a powerful position to say they are wrong, they are wrong, I made a mistake, that's a hard thing to do. And I've had to do it about a half a dozen times lately, <laughs> but, but but all kidding aside. And the second thing about him was, he had a lot of ser- serious uh, — he had real compassion. You know, his, his — you know, well, I'll tell you afterwards, but — because we only have a few minutes. Uh, he and I went out to the Secret Service racetrack he had a brand new Corvette. His his family bought him. His kids bought him. And I have a '67, 327, 350, and we raced. We raced. <laughs> and you, you know the you know the only reason no, I'm serious. It was not Jay Leno. Check it out, Jay Leno Why? He's he's a hell of a guy. Who won? Well, I won only because he was worried I was going to crash into him <laughs> because I don't have posi traction. So I was burning rubber the whole way out there, and I could see him going whoa. <laughs> All right, so just my
2: final question is, you famously, uh, at the signing ceremony, I think it was for Obamacare, you famously leaned in to the then president, and I'm not gonna say a direct quote, but but (laughs) off mic, you said, this is a big effing deal. And I'm wondering, the Build Back Better plan, is it a bigger effing deal than that?
1: 60 seconds. We got in the car to go over to the uh, the Department of Education. After we did that, oh, I thought you were talking about drag racing. Still, no, no. <laughs> he got in the car and he was laughing like hell. I said, "What's so damn funny?" And he told me. I whispered in his ear this way. I looked to see where it was. I'm good. And this is a big deal. And I didn't realize the guy behind me was lip reading. Yeah. You could see it. <laughs> no, I'm serious. The answer is yes. This is bigger. No, it is bigger because not, not because what he did wasn't enormous. He broke the ice. Enormous. But part of what I have in here is we also increased access to the Affordable Care Act, and we reduced the price an average of 60 bucks a month for anyone who's in the Affordable Care Act. Plus, on top of that, we have another $300 billion worth of health care ever in, in it. So, it's, I would say this is a bigger darn deal. <laughs>
2: Mr. President, thank you very much. Appreciate your time.
4: Thank you very much. to Mr. Sure, of course.
0: We're not watching Cuomo. We're not watching any of that bull crap. Oh, Laura, Laura, come on. Uh, That's just not right, Laura. But it is, it is funny. All right. Um, I want to show something. Since we're not going to, I am going to start my stream. Now, since that's over, I am going to start my stream. No one leave. I will be with you very shortly. I am going to do my intro because I didn't do that at the beginning of the stream because I didn't even know Biden was speaking tonight. So I am going to do the intro and then we'll get to uh, the the news that I wanted to cover. So, here we go, people.
5: Oh, say can you see
1: were so gallantly streaming And the rockets red glare The bombs bursting
9: in air Gave
8: proof through the night That our flag was still there O oh, say does that
4: star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the whole
6: All right,
0: all right, all right.
6: And I want to.
0: I know most of us don't watch the mainstream media. Hey, I am a very patriotic man. I love my country. What can I say? But I'm not a. Well, I'm not a sure clip from the Rubin report. And tell me. Why haven't we noticed this? Maybe it's because we don't watch this crap, but I'll let him go over it.
8: Vaccine mandate stuff. And if you turn on any news channel, there's no debate about whether we should have mandates or not. There's very little debate about whether we should have uh, vaccines or not, you know, whether your health and your age and your the foods that you eat and the medicines and supplements that you take, whether any of those things should affect whether you need to take the vaccine or not. It's all just take, 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 take. Every channel is just take the vaccine. Mandates are good. There's almost no pushback. We have ridiculous civil rights lawyers like Gloria Allred, who I debated a couple weeks ago. If you haven't seen it, it's on our YouTube channel who were saying this is not about rights. I mean, we're just not even debating the basic things that used to be like absolute truths that civil rights matter, individual rights matter. Um, And if you wonder why, if you've been sitting there going, you know, something doesn't seem right to me, why is it that these shows, every CBS and NBC and uh, ABC show, they all keep pushing these vaccines. Well, this is just spectacular. Who did this? I want to credit them properly because it's actually just wonderful. At underscore Whitney Webb, two Bs, uh, tweeted out this video it's a compilation from some of your favorite uh, news programs. Take a look.
5: Good Morning America is brought
3: to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360, brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline, brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference brought to you by Pfizer CNN tonight brought to you by Pfizer early start brought to you by Pfizer Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front brought to you by Pfizer this week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer
9: this weather report brought to you by Pfizer
3: today's countdown to the royal
8: wedding is brought to you by Pfizer and now a CBS sports update brought to you by Pfizer meet the press data download brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning, sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet, sponsored by Pfizer. Must I add anything else? I'm Dave Rubin. This has been the Rubin Report, not brought to you by Pfizer.
0: Does that explain a lot of the bullshit right now? Does that explain a lot of the freaking bullshit? So please tell me. What the? I can't believe it. We found a link between why these, why the mainstream is going with this crap, and I didn't make the video. That was brought to you by someone uh, that sent it to Dave Rubin. So, and I just see it on YouTube. Tell me, please, someone, tell me. Why would they be doing it? Maybe because they're getting money from the company. But thank you to Miss Webb who put this together. Because we get to see it for ourselves. Thank you. But yeah. They're not hiding it anymore hmm. just a little shocking to me that people would actually <laughs> <coughs> oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> Bill, you come up with some of the best lines. Oh, for, oh I love it. Let's all give Bill a hand on that one because he actually did a pretty good job with that line. <laughs> oh for crying out loud. I love
6: my I love my audience. But Bill, thank you for
0: putting a little um putting a little joy into the stream because that was a pretty good one That was a pretty good line. That was I have to give it to you and this and this uh, since everyone is doing it, since everyone is doing it, this stream is brought to you by Pfizer. Oh for crying out loud. I love I love my audience.
6: All right. And now another
0: and it was being talked about earlier. I am gonna share with you, and this is from NBC. And I'm going to share this and let you guys watch the video
6: because
5: go with Steve Bertolino, the attorney for Brian Laundrie's family. Here's what he had to say. Steve, first off, thanks for joining Top Story tonight. So our viewers understand the main reason you are representing the Laundry family is because you have a long personal relationship with them. I understand you received that grim. Uh, never mind. Never mind. I'm, we're not
0: watching the video. Oh, here's the video I wanted.
3: As crime scene cars cycled through this Florida park all day, the FBI confirming late today with dental records that the partial skull uncovered in this reserve is Brian Laundrie's. A sweeping conclusion to a five-week-long manhunt and dramatic search that captured the country's attention. Tonight, the attorney for the Laundrie family speaking to NBC's Tom Yamas for the first time on camera.
1: I'm sure every
6: parent out there knows that uh, getting the getting the news that your, your child is no longer, you know, with you is sad under any circumstances. Uh, the fact that uh, the laundries have been subjected to these uh, people out in front of their house for the last uh, four weeks, uh, and they continue out there today, is just making it all the more difficult.
3: There was no public comment from the FBI or Northport Police, though the Lee County Sheriff's Department, from 40 miles away, speaking to conditions in the reserve where laundries remains were
0: found. We're talking about water levels up above almost the chest area rattlesnakes, moccasins, alligators
3: from above a view of the FBI's evidence response team performing grid level searches in the area where laundry's belongings and that partial skull were discovered just 24 hours ago, submerged in water, likely erasing any fingerprints
5: that body could be very
3: decomposed, which would mean it has to go to the next level really of analysis. Former FBI Special Agent Clint Watts says there's one thing working in investigators' favor, a DNA profile of Laundry, who's a person of interest in the disappearance of his fiance, Gabby Petito. It's much easier to match a profile of a known to an unknown than an unknown to an unknown set, of, essentially, of DNA and pieces of evidence. The remains were found submerged in water for days or potentially weeks, accelerating the decomposition process. And they obtained a dental imprint, which was matched in a day or two. But there are still questions tonight about how Brian Laundry died and why a portion of his skull.
0: But I don't know. They have not said yet, Roger.
6: I do not know. But I wanted to share this for that
0: would be a very twist ending, but. Yes,
6: Brian Lo, La- but he he is
0: gone, and now what? the reason I labeled this dream, Democrats are nervous we don't I get into the real story? This one and the Pfizer one were just, I was just throwing them out there. Alright, here we go, people. Now, down to the beets and bones.
6: Yes, her body was found in um, Colorado, I do believe. And
0: now we're going to go to.
6: I'll let you guys see. I'll let you guys. Sorry about that, I hit the wrong button, it happens from time to time,
0: but we will go back to what I wanted to share,
6: sorry about that. I'll let you guys read the headline. I'll let you read this headline. Why would the Democrats be so nervous? Could this be one of the reasons? Over 4,000 of the police department members have not complied with the mandate.
0: It says more than one third of Chicago Police Department hasn't
6: reported status, city says. And this is from NBC
0: Five Chicago. While more than 8,000 Chicago police members have compiled. Complied with the city's vaccine mandate, thousands still haven't done so, city officials revealed Monday, two days after the requirement for city workers went into effect. A showdown over the requirement has enveloped the city for days. The head of Chicago's Fraternal Order of Police, asking his members to defy the city's Policies. A restraining order was placed against FOP President John Cazazero Friday, barring him from making public comments urging members not to, to comply. On Monday, Lori Lightfoot spoke at a press conference where she revealed a total 79 of the city's employees have confirmed their status and of those eighty four percent have been
6: have done everything
0: so would if you were the mayor of Chicago, would you be getting scared if people are defying your orders? And Ms. Lightfoot is really setting herself up for bad publicity. The next one is from an alderman in Chicago. Chicago alderman. We can't afford to lose any more police overs over mandate. I know AK talks about Philly, and I. that's why I'm not even touching Philadelphia. I'll let him. He does it a better way. Chicago mayor Lori Lightfoot has been in public battle with the Chicago police union over the resistance to comply with the mandate. But now Chicago aldermen are vo- now Chicago aldermen are voicing their opposition to how the situation has been handled. Nearly half of the officers 19 of 43 who were called in yesterday and given direct orders to report their status, still refused and were stripped of their police powers and put on unpaid lease per FOP7 Chicago. Hey, I just think it's going to be less, uh, and don't get me wrong. I can say it's going to be less of people that can protect her dumb butt. Thank you. These police officers are doing a hell of a job. I love them. They're standing up to these draconian measures. Now, Miss Leifert is putting herself in a bad light with, with her comments. and I'll let you hear from her own. This is, this is from the mayor herself. Else, Who's not here
7: since it was short notice on the questions. Um, could, I guess the big question is why legal action, but can I also put it this way? Mm-hmm. Um, there is a different tone from CPS, from Pedro Martinez. He was asked, you know, what's going to happen to those who don't have their vaccines? And he said that,
0: thank you for coming, trains. I hope you enjoyed the stream and I hope you come back soon
7: the other day. We're going to work with that. We're going to talk to them. We're going to make sure what try to understand what's going on. So why a different tone for CPS than the police? Well, I don't think there is a different tone for one versus the other. <clears throat> um, CEO. Uh, Martinez has indicated that, and again, in agreement with the union, so that is one circumstantial difference, uh, that every adult in the system has to be vaccinated. And that agreement was reached months ago, um, and they've been working very hard to execute um, on that agreement, a reach with um, all the collective bargaining agencies uh, that employ uh, folks at at, uh, CPS. So it's a a very different set of circumstances, and I think he believes it's going to be a very small uh, group um, that uh, remains um, either unvaccinated or not signing up. And so he understands, though, that accountability is important, as do we. So you asked the question of why the lawsuit? Um, because we believe that the FOP leadership is trying to foment an illegal work stop strike, pure and simple. We've laid that out in the materials, um, and we're not just—we're not having that. The, the contract is clear and it's been known for a long time. Uh, the police unions are not authorized to strike. It's in their collective bargaining agreement, and it's a matter of state law. What we've seen from uh, the Fraternal Order of Police and particularly the leadership is a lot of misinformation, a lot of half-truths, and frankly, flat-out lies in order to induce an insurrection. Um, And we're not having that. And so we want to make it very, very clear um, that the law is on our side. We feel very confident about it. And what he he said even after uh, what I heard that he said even after um, the lawsuit was filed and we notified them is urging members of the department to ignore their chain of command. And let me be very clear about this. John Cantazaro has destroyed his police career, destroyed it. He's not fit, and he's never going to go back to um, the department in any kind of active position. I don't want him to, to lead these young officers astray and have them destroy their careers like he's destroyed his. If you ignore a directive of your supervisor or worse, a direct order that's that's lawfully given, you're gonna destroy your career. That is gonna follow you forever. Over what? Going to a website, clicking yes or no? And if no, saying that you're gonna sign up for testing? Really, that's worth it? I don't think it is. And I don't think people are gonna follow him over that cliff, but we're gonna make sure that we, he and the leadership of the FLP get a very clear message. We are not allowing them to jeopardize the public safety of our city, our residents, by making it seem as if he is in charge of the Chicago Police Department and he alone can determine staffing and whether or not officers come to work. And we, and we the other thing that has to be clear, officers in, so, swear an oath to abide by the U.S. Constitution, the state constitution, and the laws of this city. That is a sacred oath that separates them from civilian employees everywhere. It's a sacred oath, and we expect them to abide by it. We can't expect them and, and, and residents to hold them with any degree of legitimacy. If the, those who are sworn to uphold the law act as if they're above the law. We're not going to tolerate that. That's not acceptable. And I think what you're going to see is that a lot of officers are going to abide by the mandate and fill out their information. Very simple, straightforward on the
0: portal. So the mayor, as you heard, is calling this. And uh, I need to bring this one back up. Bill does it perfectly. He is tying stories in together. Thank you, Bill. That is, uh, I love your one-liners, Bill. You are, you should be a comedian. You got the mayor. And I know I'm not going in order the way they are in the description, but there's a reason, I'm changing things up. So, she calls this an insurrection. So, please tell me. Tell me something. What the heck is this?
4: On oh, a dead tree, on oh, a dead tree, on oh, a dead tree, on oh, a bad tree, on oh, a bad tree, on oh, a bad tree. our oh, right.
0: Take the water. Shut
4: down my like three. Shut down my five. Like Shut down like the king. Shut down my like three. Like three. Like
0: three. Shut down. And now we're changing people.
4: You think you're a good choice already?
0: I wonder if these people will be uh, treated like um, people that's already in federal custody.
6: Are them people going to be? I have not. And I don't even know who
0: that is. Well, and another reason I,
6: Democrats are getting nervous is because of this.
0: Reds Price, Reps Price Doyle joined Democrats who won't be back after 2022. The number of House Democrats who won't be running for re-election next year grew to 13 on Monday with the news that North Carolina's David Price and Pennsylvania's Mike Dole retire after their current
6: terms. Price 81 is a veteran appropriatory.
0: He used his position to steal federal funding back to university and his state's research triangle. Doyle, 68, might be best known as the lifelong manager of the House Democrats baseball team in their annual game for charity against Republicans. 13 Democrats are not and the House of Representatives
6: are not coming back. That's my, that's my question for him.
0: That's my question. And, um, uh, Southwest I know most of you probably already seen
6: this, but Southwest is walking back its mandate. Southwest Airlines has walked back its
0: plan to force employees who have applied for for but haven't received a religious or medical exemption. To go on to go on unpaid leave after the federal after the fairly mandated December eighth deadline.
6: Laura, if you come back
0: Sunday, you'll understand why I'm not showing it. And I will show you the protest outside of uh, the headquarters
6: of southwest
9: vaccine mandate the group gathered monday to celebrate quote magical freedom at the airlines headquarters in dallas Current and former Southwest Airlines employees are protesting the company's vaccine mandate. The group gathered Monday to celebrate, quote, magical freedom at the airline's headquarters in Dallas. Chopper 11 captured hundreds of people holding signs reading Terminate the Mandate and Freedom, Not Force. Southwest had a deadline during the first week of October for employees to get vaccinated against COVID-19. A federal vaccination mandate requires employees of companies with U.S. government contracts get vaccinated. Other major airlines, United, American JetBlue, Alaska and Hawaiian, all also said that they're going to follow President Biden's executive order requiring workers to get the shots and employees can seek religious or medical exemptions. Katie Johnston for CBSN DFW As Democrats continue to negotiate amongst themselves over president
0: but that they are they are starting to get
6: nervous with what Yes j eights. <laughs> Roger, you have no idea. They have no idea.
0: And um the next one, the next one is Mr. Borgino. He is given an ultimatum for his um for the company he works for. Because the de- it seems like these people don't have an idea of what the heck they're going to do. And here we go. Dan Bongino. I thought there was a video with this. Thousands of people in industries across the country are losing their jobs over mandates. In some cases...
6: But Bongino told Westwood One no Cameron anyone can speak and welcome
0: now most of the people I have on here are all people I know so um So most of them are all already mods. So you're more than welcome to stay, Cameron. I hope you enjoy uh, my streams. I hope you come back because I do this every Thursday. I talk about news and I do other streams throughout the
6: week. All right. But Bongino gave his uh,
0: uh, Westward 1 an ultimatum. He either says you keep the mandate or you keep him. They can't have both. So people are starting to stand up. So do
6: not give up hope yet. next one i I love this because <laughs> this Washington <laughs> uh...
0: and I will let everyone listen to what uh, what
6: the officer actually had to say. This is my final
3: sign off um, after 22 years of serving the citizens of the state of Washington,
1: um, being asked to leave because I am dirty. Um, numerous fatalities, um, injuries, I've worked sick, I've played sick, um, we've buried lots of friends over these years. I'd like to thank you guys. I'd like to thank the um, citizens of Yakima County as well as my fellow officers within the Valley. Without you guys, I wouldn't have been very successful And You've kept me safe and got me home to my family every night. Um, thank you for that. Um, wish I could say more, but um, this is it. So State 1034, this is the last time you'll hear me in a state patrol car. And Jay Ansley can kiss my ass. 1034, thank you for your 22
9: years of five months service to the citizens of Washington State. You've taken on many roles in your time with the patrol. In your first year, you delivered a baby while on patrol in Bremerton. You've been a DRE, DRE instructor, certified technical specialist, and reconstructionist, peer support member, part of the chaplain state board, and a CBD trooper. You've been a great role model and mentor for all young troopers serving in the area by sharing your knowledge and experience throughout the years. Thank you for your service. 1906. Yes,
6: before. But, (laughs) me too,
0: Bill, because they are not, they are, because they are standing up for other people's rights. They are standing up for, And now we're going to get into a little bit of sports. And this comes out of the state of Washington. Not now. Washington State fires football coach for refusing the mandate. People are not backing down. And I love it. I love that people are not backing down anymore. They are, people are tired of what they, um, been told and they're not giving up. Is a uh, Latin patriot still in the Latin? If you're still here, I want you to say something because this one I picked out for you.
6: And this comes from the California News. (laughs) Roger, yeah. It's like a snowball from hell. It's a snowball from hell that... And Bill, I know I'm not alone in my uh in my pursuits. Uh,
0: but tell her to go around the 2 hour mark and tell her to look at this. Parents are fed up. Students all over California may be home on Monday protesting Governor Gavin, Christopher,
6: Gavin Christopher's recent affairs. Earlier this month, California
0: became the first state to announce that students with from all schools in the state would be required to receive the vaccination once the shots were fully approved.
6: and I will share
0: that one because that's not well the Salt Lakers we have been following
6: it we already know but parents are standing up (laughs) ah And uh, that's a, that's an understatement. We do, Bill. It's coming from the federal government, so we pay this. Even though they say it's free.
0: And now,
6: no insurance companies uh up. All right. I got a question for everybody. I got a question for everybody. No, Bill. We pay... The taxpayers actually pay it. Yes, like everything else, we pay for it.
0: I got a question for you. What percentage of deaths now are
6: people that are fully vaccinated, fully jabbed? What do you think? I'll let you guys watch this video, and
0: and you tell me what you guys think. A lot of times people
3: feel it's a rare event that fully vaccinated people may die. I happen to be the senior advisor to Governor Hogan in the state of Maryland. Uh, in the last six to eight weeks, uh, more than 40% of the people that died in Maryland were fully vaccinated.
6: And that's just Maryland. The man said forty percent, and that's in Maryland forty four zero, and that was in the state of Maryland. And as from a former CDC director, so, um, (laughs)
0: the salt lakers i hope you come back i love your i love your one-liners i almost as good as uh bills (laughs) it wouldn't surprise me but he said 40 so that's the number i'm going with and i shared
6: this earlier Whistleblower says ICE released
0: over 16,000 COVID-positive
6: immigrants into the U.S. Over! And that number, I don't know. I don't know, Lakers.
0: And that's not including people who had tested positive after they were released by border patrol during their hunger
6: crisis at the US-Mexico border. While many American businesses are on the road to
7: recovery, they're still stuck in neutral in border towns like Laredo. That's because the Mexican tourists these businesses have relied on for years are still forbidden. Can you tell me um, what's happened to the business since the non-essential traffic has been closed from Mexico?
5: So we stayed closed for about six months until like September, but we we reopened, but it was hardly any business because we were dependent on a lot of the businesses from Mexico, because this is border, and all that just was gone.
0: Kind of funny, isn't it, that they say they don't want to hurt the uh, small businesses earlier,
6: and then this. I share this.
0: And here's another thing. The governor of Virginia backtracks on parents' involvement in education. I have always valued the concerns of the parents. Yeah! Keep telling yourself that, sir. Keep telling yourself. Virginia gubernatorial candidate Terry released a campaign advertisement where he appeared to backtrack comments he made in September about whether parents should have a say in their children's school curricula. As parents, Dorothy and I have always been involved in our kids' education. Said in the ad, we know good schools depend on involved parents. That's why I want to want you to hear this from me. Lynn Yakin is taking my words out of context. I have always valued the concerns of parents. bullshit
6: bullshit! Veto books, Glenn. Not
3: to be knowledge about it. Also, take them off the shelves, and I'm not going to let parents come into schools bill. and actually you take books out and make their own decisions. You vetoed it, so From yeah, I stopped it. the bill that I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should
6: teach. But, you know, I get teach. really books tired.
0: So he says that parents. Shouldn't be telling the
6: schools.
0: But. He said he was for the parents. Yeah. I seriously doubt that. Hey. Here's some more good news. And Joe Biden said this. All right. Biden says Democrats are not going to get three point five trillion for a reconciliation bill. President Biden said his administration proposed three point five trillion bill would probably have a lower price tag in remarks to reporters on Friday. To be honest with you, we're probably not going to get $3.5 trillion this year. We're going to get something less than that. Yeah, a
6: lot less.
0: But Biden's put himself in this position. Roger, you already know who pays those salaries. All right. Did that one. Athletes. Athletes Group files Hatch Act complaint against White House Press Secretary. Saki, hey they did it with this is why i think democrats are starting to get nervous all this bad news is coming out and they don't know what to do Uh, All right. I want you guys to listen to this. I know that, Roger. I just want to have a little bit of fun. I want you to listen to this audio and tell me as they're not coming after us.
5: Human Events Daily has exclusively obtained leaked audio from a White House official of a phone call that took place in late September between DOJ lawyer Marty Letterman and the rest of the staff of the White House. This call was regarding religious exemptions and religious accommodations. Listen to what this DOJ lawyer had to say about religious exemptions when it comes to the issue of abortion.
8: Cases, and for instance, in the New York case that's currently going on against the state of New York, the Thomas More Society is representing a bunch of doctors and nurses who claim that they would sing gravely if they acted in cooperation with the evil of abortion how would they be doing so the claim is that all three of the current vaccines either have fetal cells that were that were obtained by abortions in the vaccine itself or in the case of pfizer and moderna that those vaccines were tested using fetal cells that had been aborted and even the connection to the previous testing makes them cooperative with evil in a way that their religion prohibits I don't want to say anything too categorical, but I believe that when this claim will be very difficult for agencies to successfully claim that that's either insincere or non-religious, even if it is, even if we know that many of those claims are not sincere or are sincere but not religious, this is the most common claim you're going to confront probably. And it's likely that you will have to take as a given the employee's claim. Not always. Right. One response that some hospitals have started to give is, well, do you know that Tylenol and Tums and Preparation H, those were all tested using aborted fetal cell lines too. And I expect that employees will then say, well, I didn't know that, but now that you tell me that I'll stop using those products as well. And then, then we will turn to the, what, what does the government have to do once the employee makes that show? And here, Basically, there is a compelling interest, obviously, in keeping our workforce and the public with which we interact safe from COVID.
5: So I want to be incredibly clear about this. What he's saying is, now, we know that many of these exemptions, these religious exemptions, accommodations, may not be sincere. That the employees are not sincere in their religious beliefs. So this DOJ official thinks that it's incumbent on him, He's the one to decide what your religious beliefs are. He's the one who gets to make the decision whether or not you have a duly held religious belief. This is who's running our government, ladies and gentlemen. These are the people at the highest levels of the United States administration under Biden. They will determine whether you are sincere or not. And listen to his words, listen to the specific words that he uses. We know that most of them aren't sincere. And then he brings up this, you know, this joke, this canard, complete canard. Frank Luntz and I got into it over this on Twitter recently when he talks about aspirin. Aspirin's been used for hundreds of years. right? us go back to Bayer, the 1800s. Willow root has been used for thousands of years, right? This is a complete canard. But they know that they can use this up to try to sow dissension and doubt and every and uncertainty on you and on your religious beliefs. And I've said this before to the pro-life community. This is the seminal issue. If you are pro-life, you need to step up and say it's time to end abortion testing, right? Be firm on this right? vegans won't eat honey. Universities will pay reparations for something that happened hundreds of years ago. Right. So when it comes to this, even if it is distant, you need to demand that companies in the United States be better. And when it comes to this, be firm. If you are a federal employee, you need to sue. You need to sue the federal government, sue your administration, sue your agency, whatever you're in. Take them to court. You have First Amendment rights to religious protections under the United States of America. And you either have your rights or you don't. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry, but you're going to have to fight for them because that's the situation we're in here today. Now, the White House official that gave this to us, we thank them very, very much for providing this information to us and we will continue, by the way, to provide more inside information as to what's going on inside the Biden administration, as to what this regime is pushing on the federal workforce and to the people that do have sincerely held religious beliefs, as opposed to what DOJ officials and what Biden and everybody else are telling them that they ought to believe and what they should believe. No, no, no. They'll tell you what they believe.
6: No, I like that idea.
0: Everyone in the chat. If you agree with that, give me a one.
6: and i am going to share my because of
0: the things that i've shared tonight i am going to give you guys my backup stream because i'm figuring this is going to get um this one's going to be uh flagged so if you haven't already please go sign up to my backup channel because I have a feeling that I'm going to be using it for about a week. Because I have shared a lot of information. Uh, Update on Lieutenant Colonel Schiller. I know many of you might not
6: like the man, but I am going to give an update. The link that I just provided
0: is to my backup channel. Please sub to that because I have a feeling I might be on it for about a week. Just saying. And now an update from Lieutenant
6: Colonel Schillers. Lieutenant Colonel
0: Stuart Schiller's guilty plea accepted faces minimal penalty. The man actually pleaded guilty, and he probably won't be
6: looking at any uh, real time. I
0: got two more, and the last two, uh,
6: one's good, one's bad. And both of The next one, I'm just gonna let the video speak for itself
0: and the headline.
6: I'll let you read the headline first. And this was in NYC. Oh.
0: Yeah, that's probably a job for the the police to do. Uh, I've already had videos censored on on here. I I really don't care anymore. Alright.
6: Yep, citizen police. They That should have been something for um And the last story is uh, just desserts for somebody. I'll just let the headline speak for itself. Some just desserts for the man. (laughs) The village people.
0: (laughs) Did I was it repeat was it repeating again i'll have to check it out when i get done but this is the final story
6: of the night Uh,
0: i'm a combat veteran 82nd airborne infantry I was at the Nashville riot and the ten thousand strong peaceful protest where we chanted Marx. I have fought against ISIS to defend the autonomous zone in Syria. I have been shot at by Trump supporters who were shouting
6: "Hell Hitler." Yeah, I believe it. And this is pro- Yeah, the man was just...
0: But I am going to end this stream because this has been going
6: this has been going on for a while. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah, I don't actually think he's a part of the
0: military but that's just me but i would like to thank everybody that came tonight because if he's a if he if he's a veteran why would he want socialism in this country he sees what it does to other countries he has seen what the damage it's done to other countries And hey, Rex.
6: But with that, I am done for the night.
0: That's what I think. But I do want to thank everybody for coming tonight. I hope everyone has a good evening. And John is, I do believe John Backyard Politics is going live here at about... Fifteen twenty 20 minutes, so if you want to head on over to his channel, you're more than welcome
6: because he...
0: But I... But I do want to thank everyone. I hope everyone has a good night. And please remember, be good to one another because we are in this together. And I'm about to share Backyard Politics a stream. So if you want to head on over there, you're more than welcome. And there you go. I hope everyone has a good evening, and I will see you Sunday for sure, maybe sooner. Who knows? We don't know what this damn government's going to do. Good night.